Welcome to a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and joined as always by my producer to the stars and co-host, Chris Brito. Today we're going to discuss the Knicks' struggles, Steph Curry's greatness, and much more. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, let's start with COVID. 97% of the players are vaccinated, but there are new strains of the virus impacting teams now. Do you see the NBA needing to move back into a bubble? Hey, Stevie, I think it's a little too early, but that's, it, it kind of looks like that's where we're headed. And I think the scariest part about this whole thing is that, you know, the players are vaccinated. It's not like they're not. And we're still seeing the spread. We're, just seeing, we're still seeing a lot of players um, not playing because they have some, some of the virus. Anyway, moving forward, I think it has to be in all our minds that a bubble could, could happen. Um, but I think on the short term, just because of having to organize a bubble is going to be a lot. Um, I think on the short term, I think you have to think about maybe having a pause. And if I'm Adam Silver right now, I would probably cancel all the games that I can before Christmas, make sure that everybody's okay, um, and then go from there. Or what you do is cancel for at least two weeks after Christmas and then do a reset. Because, yeah, we, because we all know how important the Christmas games are to the NBA. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it at length last year, right, when they were thinking about starting up on Christmas. They're not, they're not doing anything that's going to jeopardize Christmas. They're going to plow through this thing and hope that everybody can, you know, teams can stay healthy enough to field rosters to get that Christmas money, right? So – Maybe they consider a pause after that. I don't think it's gotten that far, and I don't really see a, you know, a week layoff to go into Christmas really going to help the situation much. Guys can still get it at home, and I think the biggest issue right now is with these variants is only 60% of eligible NBA players are boosted, and it, there's been you know, talks that the booster really helps prevent these extra strands and that, to me, is the biggest thing right now. So hopefully these guys can get boosted and we can go back to having a, a fun NBA season because for the first time in a while, it feels like this thing is wide open. You know, the Nets are a very good team. We will talk, talk about the Warriors later, the Bucks, the Suns, there's so many, the Jazz. There's so many teams that literally could win this thing. We really need to get a real season in here. I, I'm, I'm hopeful for it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you with everything that you said. Um especially the part about, you know, players still having to go home and then being with people that potentially may also be exposed for, to the virus. But I think the advantage there is that, like, there are players who do have COVID and they may already have infected other players who have COVID. So, I mean, other players who don't have COVID. And so you don't want to risk a spread amongst the players. Like, just put a halt somewhere. Um, and... I don't know. I mean, it's, there's, there remains to be seen. It remains to be seen what will eventually happen, but you know, the NFL has already like canceled practices and whatnot. And like, I see the same fortune happening to the, to the NBA and we have a more freak, we have a, we have a higher frequency, a number of games during a week. And so that might be a lot more complicated. Um, anyway, you know, we'll obviously keep you guys updated with everything and uh, we'll go from there. 
So let's switch on to another topic near and dear to our hearts, uh, the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks have some players who have, have been affected by COVID as well, but, you know, they're having bigger problems right now. They can't defend for their lives. Julius Randle has a very, very low defensive rating, and he's the worst on the team right now. Um, and we've talked about the Knicks struggling in recent shows of the podcast, but it just seems like they're just getting into a deeper hole. They have a favorable matchup against the Houston Rockets, but the Houston Rockets have been hot. So they're also, they have an upcoming stretch of 18 or so games where they're, they're uh, I think only three of them are against winning, winning rec- teams with winning, winning records. Um, first off, what would you like, what would you like that record to be? And then B, what do the Knicks need to do right now? Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, they're going 11 and 5, uh, you know, around that mark. You try to get back to 500 or a game over. I think that would be ideal because the schedule gets harder after that. And if you can't beat these under 500 teams, who can you beat? So if they're going to stay in this race and really compete for a playoff spot, it's going to have to be a, you know, a big outing like that to get them. Or so you said, you said what, eight, 16 games, 18 games? It's 18 games. And then okay, so 11 and five doesn't make sense. So I, I would say, uh, I would say 12 and six. Can they go 12 and six? Is that possible? You know, 11 and seven. I think, you know, either one of those would, would make me happy for sure. And, you know, they got to defend the three. That's the biggest thing right now. Last year, they, you know, opponents shot 33.8% from three, the worst in basketball. So obviously a lot of that is luck. Sometimes open shots just don't fall, but you know, you don't get to be the best team in defending the three by accident. So they have to go back to defending. It's a, you know, I know it's a different group than last year, but it's still a pretty similar group. Evan Fournier is not giving up 10 threes a game. Like it's a, a collective group. So I think the biggest issue is, they just don't defend big guys shooting threes. We've seen it from Vucevic. We've seen it from Miles Turner a couple of times. You know, there's so many, you know, oh, too. there's so many bigs out there who can shoot, right? And they, it's either Mitch isn't comfortable, Noel's not playing, or it's a, it's a scheme thing. And at some point, Tom Thibodeau's got to step up and get Mitch or Toppin or whoever that center is to go out and guard those guys at the line because – you're giving these guys the green light on easy shots, which gets them going early in games. It's just a big problem, and it really destroys the entire defense. Yeah, and it it might be schematic, but it's also probably effort. I think there are games that I look at with the Knicks, and where I'm like, this is not the same team from last year at all. And like, and you laughed at me when I made this observation, but. You know, when I saw the team play its first game where we had an offensive explosion, I was like, in my head, I was like, they cannot sustain this. Well, no, I didn't laugh at that. I did not say that. Wait, wait, I didn't finish my sentence. Like, in my head, they can't sustain this. And, like, they're also not bringing it defensively. And so that was also another pattern I saw in the preseason, which made me all get to the point that, like, you know, I'm really concerned that, like, you know, I think the best part of our defense last year, and you'll laugh, was our our front court with. Um, no, it was. Um, 
with with yeah. with uh, Noel and and Mitch. That was the the last line of defense. They were blocking shots at the rim, and then the other guys could guard from three. And and that was and like I think we took for granted how good we were on team defense because that was the thing that we were great at. And I, there was no individual that was better than all the parts. Agreed. Um, I, and I don't know what it was about Reggie Bullock, but it it in, it ended up working out schematically. Um, but they're clearly not the same team. And the other maybe more concerning part, and I'm not saying it's what's going to happen here, but you know. Tim's has a Tibbs has a habit of overstaying his welcome. I mean, we saw that in Chicago and we saw that in T in, in, in I did not see that coming as a statement out of your mouth twenty-five games into the season that he may be overstaying his welcome. He won I mean, I get it. I get what you're saying. Like that I did not think you would be the first one to say <laughs> Listen, man, I'm putting all the all all the options out there. I mean, I think it's way too early, obviously, to like do anything with Tibbs and I think the best part about Tibbs is that he has been sort of flexible in terms of of uh the team right like we he benched Kemba um he's um you know um put uh put Quentin Grimes in the starting line in the starting lineup like when have you ever seen him elevate rookies the way he has with the Knicks you know uh they've obviously earned the playing time as well um I don't know, man. Moving forward, this team, I'm not sure if they're much better than, than 500, to be quite honest with you. I think we're going we're gonna to really see in this span how good they really are. I mean, if they don't go at least – if they don't get at least 10 wins here, this team's in trouble. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But, you know, again, I think guarding from three-point range is the biggest issue right now. I mean – they're averaging allowing 13.3 threes a game, which is 24th in basketball with teams like Portland that can't defend anybody from anywhere. Orlando, who has five wins. Uh, Oklahoma City, who is the worst headache because they are tanking. And, you know, you don't want to be involved in that group. You just don't. So I think that's the, big, the biggest key right now. And you got to get Mitch and Noel healthy and on board because if you can get them to defend at the rim again, it's easier to guard, you know, from distance from everybody else. Also, I'm I'm a little concerned at Noel because Noel was our best defensive player last year. It was it wasn't Mitchell Robinson, and um, Noel looks like he's really injured, and I don't know what's going on. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But I don't know, man. It's just it's just not the same team. Like they're not they're not out there playing as hard as they can. It feels like like I'm not out there with them, obviously, but. It's just there's like a a significant lack of energy there, and I don't know, I don't know. Uh, what, so I don't want. Go ahead. Like, I feel like ever since the Hawks figured out Julius Randle, he it has not been the same for him. Agreed. No, I mean that was definitely a turning point so far, and you hope that the he'll bounce back because we've seen you know flashes of the thirty point fourteen rebound games. It's it hasn't been like. None of that, but we just haven't seen it consistently like you did last year where he was an all-NBA caliber player. So you really the, need him to bounce back. The other thing that I really thought of was that what if what if he just doesn't play well with fans in the stands? I mean, it, it's funny, you know, bringing it back to baseball for a second. The Mets, my Mets, we our Mets, they have this closer, Edwin Diaz, who I think is a bum, and – 
you know, the, the, he seemed shook every time he was pitching at home in front of this big crowd. He was pitching in Seattle before. They didn't really care. They were out of the race. And he gets to New York, and he's blowing every save he can. He's giving up home runs. And then when COVID happened, you know, all the coaches were like, he's going to be so much better this year because there's no fans. He's going to be so relaxed. And I'm like, that's not something you should brag about. This is not, that's not good. And like for, if, if that's an issue for Randall, that's a big issue because, you know, maybe they, we remove the fans again for a couple of months, but at the end of the day, the fans are going to be here for a majority of his giant max contract. So you really hope that's not the issue. I mean, I just, I don't know what else to pinpoint to the, to that is, was last season a fluke? I mean, I guess, I mean, his, I mean, I guess his numbers aren't like drastically less than last year. Um, it just seems like he's not making his three pointers as high as he was last year. And I think that was such a big part of his game. It's just, con- it's just concerning. So like, that's the thing that's weird about him is the three point shooting in his career is 34.2%. Okay, which okay. is about a, a, a little under a league average shooter. This okay. year, he's a 34.2% shooter. That's the exact same as his career. What about last year? What was it? 30%? Last year was 41%. Oh. So to me, last year is the outlier. And, th- and this year is more normal. And the question is, can right. he go back question. and step it up? Question for you, Steve. Yeah. Do you regret that deal with the summer? Or is it too early? It's too early because if you don't sign him to that and then you're, you're, you're doing what you're doing now, you got to talk about trading him. And you'd be trading him at his lowest value I, as a Nick. And I don't think you'd get a ton for him on the last year of his deal, whereas now he could bounce back and recoup some of that value or he could be the, the main piece salary-wise back in a trade for a, a superstar, depending on how you believe that player fits with Randall. So – I don't regret it. It just doesn't look like the the home run it did in July. I I, I gotta admit I was a little suspicious and not suspicious or skeptical. I guess I had my like I was like if I'm a player like Julius Randle, right? Like why am I trying to get less money than I could possibly get if I could get more money the year after that? But you know what? He had his reasons and I respect those reasons. I just, I, that I always had that thought in the back of my head. Maybe he's like, he's not banking on himself this year. I don't know. I mean, like if he was a free agent tomorrow, would he get a four year, $130 million contract? I think he probably would. So I don't I think, think we should like regret it. And it's also not, it's also not my money, but it's also not our money. That is that. But, uh, yeah, let's move on. Uh, better skies ahead for the Golden State Warriors. Stephen Curry came. He hit that all-time NBA record against the Knicks at the Garden because, of course, he did. But I want to know from you, Chris, do you see another active player breaking that record, whether it's you know two years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Can you see that happening? Okay, so I, I'd like to answer this question in, in two parts. First, that I think Curry is going to have a really long career, assuming he doesn't have a big career-ending in, 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 injury. I just think that the way he plays, he's not really depending on his athleticism that much, but except like his quick, clever moves. So I think he'll – I have no problem seeing him being in the NBA for the next like eight, seven years. Um, that being said, I think some of the younger players like, you know, Damian Lillard, you could even put 
James Harden up there as well as players that can catch up to him. And again, it de- it really depends whether or not like Curry gets injured or not, but like he has a pretty big lead on them. Um, and in terms of young guys, I know you had a really good suggestion on that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't see Lillard and Harden for, per se. They are around the same age as Curry. I think they're both a year younger. But as you said, Curry could age well. He doesn't really rely on his athleticism. That, that jump shot's going to look pretty similar from age 33 to 50 to 60, right? Like, that's not something that's going to really change too much. And, you know, they're not relying on his defense. So if he wants to keep playing, he could play. My only concern there is he's got a long injury history with the ankle, and, and including in recent years too. And he's done everything he needs to do. He's got the all-time three-point record. He's got the, the, the multiple MVPs, scoring titles, all-star games, three rings. Like, so if he gets to 37, 38 years old and his ankles are hurting and he's, he's injured, maybe he hangs it up then. And I mean, he only got four or five years. And if that happens, I think it opens the door for my guy, Trey Young, who is really the first elite three-point shooter who a lot of his shots are threes where the Hardens, the Lillards, the Currys, they really started the three-point era two, three, four years into their careers. You know, whereas Trey Young, half of his shots are threes from year one. And I think because of that reason, if he has an 18-year career, he could pass Curry. And that doesn't mean he's a better shooter, but that means he could have more threes. Yeah, I just think Curry, his game, um, it also depends. He he might want to spend time with his kids. Um, I think the thing with Curry, though, is that his game, like, you just need to create space for him and he can just shoot a three and you'll make it. Like, that's all you need to do. So it really just depends on how long he wants to play. And if you just look at it, like when he came into the league, which is 2010, okay? And he he still looks so young too. He does. His first year, he shot 4.8 threes per game, attempted. Okay, next year, 4.6 threes per game, then 4.7. So he's around a little under five threes a game. He would make around two of them. Okay, this year... 13.4 13.4 threes a game. So the three-point era, now they're tripling their, their shots the last few years. But because of that first couple of years where he was taking one-fourth of the threes he is now, I think a guy like Trey Young, who's shooting the same number of attempts as Curry now, I think could pass him if he has a long career. But again, you know, we're, you're talking about one guy who's, you know, 23 who's going to have to play until he's 38 to 40. And we're also Curry's going to have to stop doing this five years from now so it's not likely it's not it's not um is he in your mind the best shooter of all time for sure i think that's not even a debate you know he reinvented the the shooting era here where you know even you know just him just being out there is a threat it, you know we didn't even hear the word floor spacer floor spacing before curry was around so I think he's revolutionized the game and, you know, it used to be about flashy dunks and alley-oops and all these different things and fadeaways. And you don't see any fadeaways anymore. You see threes, you see a lot of threes and that's because of Stephen Curry. I think the best, my favorite thing about Seth Curry, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking as if we're eulogizing him, but my favorite part about him is that how he brings that, it used to annoy me a lot, but I appreciate it now. The sort of like jovial, like enthusiasm that he has, like whenever he plays, like 
it's always fun. He's always must see TV, you know, the confidence that he carries himself with and, and really how great of an ambassador he is for the, for the league off the court too. He's like a very clean guy. Like he's never, he doesn't have any controversy. Um, It's a lot different than LeBron, right? Like, you know, I think LeBron obviously paved the path for athletes to be outspoken. And then Curry has been the next person to really carry on that mantle in a powerful way. I I think, you know, Curry being the greatest shooter of all time is not the question. I think it's, is he the face of the game right now? You just said LeBron passing the torch. Is it still LeBron? Is it Curry? Is it Giannis? How do you see that? Uh, It's a tough question. I just thought of it right now. (laughs) Put you on the spot. I would say LeBron is still the face. I agree. Because I'll tell you this, like, uh, some of our listeners may know this or may not know this, but like LeBron James can generate a headline from a few words. Curry still does not have that sort of magnetism yet. And so, and I think that when you're talking about face of the league, the people within who follow the NBA already know who those people are. And I think when you're, you're an outsider, I think that's really where you can acknowledge like, who the face of the league is like, I still think like if I were to rank the players in order of like most known, I'd put LeBron and then like a few levers below that Curry and then Giannis and everybody else. I mean, that's just how I look at it. I think LeBron's still the face. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think that'll be a thing for too long if LeBron keeps missing games and Curry keeps breaking records, but We'll have to wait and see on that. Last thing before we get to final thoughts, Clay Thompson about to return. He's going to be, you know, he got recalled from the G League Warriors. He's going to be on the active roster. He could play within the next 10 days, apparently. Where do you see him in terms of helping the Warriors? Like, do you see him as a guy they're going to ease back in? Do you see him playing big minutes? How do you see this playing out? Uh, I think they're going to ease him back in from now until the – the months leading up to the playoffs. I, don't, I, I see zero purpose in like making him like back break the next few months. I think it's scary to think that the Warriors could get even better, but you know, if even if Clay comes back at 60%, he's still a great shooter. And okay, fine, maybe he's not as great defensively, but you know, you have the rest of the team that is playing awesome defensively. Like, the Warriors have such a great defense that right now that like just adding another body that can do that, like will do wonders. I think the team is, is hitting on all cylinders right now. And like they were sleepwalking against the Pacers and the Knicks and they still like easily came through. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we, we talked last week about trades they can make the Sabonis's, the Turners and, you know, Warrior fans I was talking to were just like, why would they do that? Like they have, the best record in basketball, they're getting Clay and James Wiseman back. Like, why would they get rid of their depth when they just don't have to? And they might be right because Clay Thompson, if he's, as you said, if he's 60% of what he was, that's still a heck of a player you're adding to your team. And I just think, you know, we, we, we talk about Curry's greatness, but we, we forget a little bit about the Splash Brothers because it's been over two years since we saw Clay on an NBA court since that finals back when Kevin Durant was on the team. So it'll be amazing to see Clay come back, and I really hope it's uh, sooner rather than later and we can get a couple of national TV games and uh, get to watch those, those two guys running around the court. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see it. And like some of the, one of the, um, a clip of Mark Jackson, when somebody asked him or, or had relayed the question that, you know, if he has the best backcourt in the NBA, uh, back when he was coaching the team, like when he was starting out, like coaching the team, and he didn't, he didn't like mint his word. He says, I, do I know I have the best, um, I have the best shoot, like more or less the best yeah. shooting backcourt of all time. And he's not wrong. Right. He said he had the best backcourt and the best shooting backcourt of all time. And we looked at him like, what are you talking about? You know, there's Bradley Beal and John Wall in Washington and, you know, all these things that just don't make any sense right now. But uh, Mark Jackson was definitely onto something. And uh, I'm curious how he responds to stuff like that today because, you know, you or I can coach that team to 60 wins right now, let alone a real professional coach who had some success with them and help, you know, grow with them. So it's, uh, it's too bad for Mark. It's good for us because I love watching him on, on ESPN, right? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's a shame it didn't work out, but you're spot on. All right, Chris, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time. Detroit Pistons, not great. 12 losses in a row. Cade Cunningham is shooting under 40% from the season. Are you panicking? No, um, I think he was put in a situation to fail. Um, Jeremy Grant will likely get traded this year. And so when you don't put your rookie in a situation where he can succeed, that's where you get somebody who's like trying to force it. Someone's trying to take bad shots. Someone who, who can't, who, you know, um, will become the center of the offense and like really doesn't have any good weapons around him. So I feel for Cade. Um, and I feel for my bet that I had on him to win rookie of the year. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Grant had a great year last year. He was not playing as well this year and he started to pick it up again. And then he tore some thumb ligaments and he's going to be out probably another month or two. So I'm curious to see, you know, where they go from here because without him, they've lost 12 straight and you know, they're at the point now where it makes just too much sense for them to just let Cade play his 35 minutes. Let's say the Bay play his 35 minutes and you tank and you hope you can add a premier player to that group next year. And they definitely are in position to do it. And, you know, if, if things work out lottery wise, that's, you're going to, you're not going to find too many young teams that you'd rather not switch rosters with. So good job by them there in terms of the tanking. <laughs> Yeah, unlike the Rockets, who uh, seem to be going the other way. Yeah, they're, they're winning too many games. They won 8 of 11. Everybody's panicking over there. Last thing before we wrap it up for me, the Lakers plan on signing Isaiah Thomas out of the G League. He went off the other night. I think he had like 42, and now he's getting another chance in L.A. Love to see it. And if you're a young player in, in the G League, like that's why you go there, because you can, you can get a lot more money overseas. But you're looking for the exposure. You're looking for that opportunity. And Isaiah's had plenty of opportunities, and he looks like he's going to get another one. Yeah, and I think my favorite part about that is, um, you know, he's had chances to play with LeBron before. I think they played briefly together in the Cavaliers, yeah. if I'm, if I'm yeah. mistaken. Um, and so I think it gives him a good opportunity to resurrect his career. And, and obviously he's a very talented scorer. He's not going to help them defensively at all, but, you know, I mean, that Lakers team has a lot of problems, but 
they won a great game the other night against um, the Dallas Mavericks at in Dallas. That was pretty yeah. good. And, you know, what they really need more than anything is a couple of shot makers. They, they need, do. You know, fill out that bench where they really lost a lot of key guys from that, you know, Russell Westbrook trade. So, I mean, LeBron can play defense. Anthony Davis should be playing, you know, elite defense, right? So yeah. those kind of, you know, you got Austin Reeves hitting game winners and playing defense. So I really believe that, you know, IT coming in and just playing his role, which is as a off-the-bench scorer, I think it's a great fit. And I, I'm hoping it becomes a entire year thing. You know, the way Carmelo got a chance midseason a couple of years ago, and he's stuck in the league since. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're big fans of IT, and I hope it really works out for him in L.A. All right, Chris, anything else you have before we wrap up the show? Nothing, man. I'm just keeping a close eye on this COVID stuff with the league and the NFL. Uh, I'm really hoping there isn't a pause, but if it is, it's probably it's going to be for the best. Fair enough. That is going to do it for us here on the All Hoops Podcast. We will hopefully be back next week to talk about the Christmas Day games, five important games on the schedule. We're really hoping that everybody is healthy and ready to go there. And uh, once again, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you got a topic you want us to discuss, we will discuss it. Yeah, guys, take it easy. Thank <laughs> you.